as you go proclaim this message, evangelizing as a UU. Uh, I love to title sermons after verses from scripture. I think one, they're just often very poetic. Um, I think whether or not we hold um, any kind of truth or meaning for ourselves in those words, I think they are pointing us to questions that people have asked uh, for centuries. So as you go proclaim this message, um, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, it's Jesus sending out the disciples, um, and he's telling them, freely you have received, so freely you should give. Um, and I think this points us to a question that all people of faith struggle with at some point, which is, how do, how do I share this faith? How do I live this faith out uh, in the world? So I think, um, you know, evangelize is not a word that we use a whole lot, but I think this topic is arguably kind of evergreen, particularly for you congregations. Um, and it's one that our faith returns to regularly, and that feels really prime for reexamination right now, I think, for a few reasons. Um, we're in an era where religious affiliation is declining, where people are going to church. Uh, we're at a time where people are leaving behind the faiths of their childhood because of harm, abuse, rejection. Um, and we're also living really immediately through a time where some major Christian denominations are experiencing splits and crises that are sending really committed and faithful people looking for new communities. Um, and I think this leads us to ask ourselves some really important questions. I mean, one, how do we grow our own faith and keep our own doors open when fewer people are interested in coming to church? How do we maybe provide a soft landing place for people who are experiencing the really disorienting experience of leaving their own faith? Maybe that's the case for some of you here today. Do we use that as an opportunity to promote Unitarian Universalism as an alternative? Does that feel exploitive? Um, I think these are difficult conversations, and I see many of our congregations struggling with them right now. I also often selfishly use sermons as a chance to work out things that I've been shooting on myself. Um, so there are kind of two personal experiences that have brought this topic uh, top of mind to me lately. So first, I'm helping to advise the youth group at First View Nashville this year. Um, they're a lot of fun, a bunch of 14-year-olds who tell me my music taste is like really out of date, uh. talk about <laughs> listening to the classics like Taylor Swift and the <laughs> They're great, they're great. I'm gonna learn how to use TikTok, it's gonna be a great year. But you know, arguably I think um, children and youth religious education can be seen as a kind of evangelizing, right? This is a place where we're sharing our faith with the next generation. I think UUs have historically taken a very UU approach to educating our youth. You know, we kind of provide them a broad exposure to the world's religious traditions, encourage them to think critically, ask questions, explore their doubts, and ultimately decide for themselves how they want to grow their religious and spiritual lives. And I think that's great, I think it's revolutionary even. But now that I'm spending time with our youth, I wonder if we swung the pendulum a little too far. Uh, I was really surprised how deeply I wanted these kids to feel connected to our faith, to claim our history as their own, and to feel really full and valued members of that congregation. I mean, do we not think that our faith is a faith worth nurturing, worth growing, worth passing on to our young people? And how is it possible for us to find kind of a better balance there with those two goals? And the second personal experience that's had me thinking about uh, evangelizing involves a multi-day career and psychological and personality assessment uh, that I had to complete as part of the ministerial credentialing process. Uh, it involved a lot of paperwork, a lot of personality tests. Happy to talk about the Enneagram of Myers-Briggs after the service if anyone wants to. 
But one of the things that I had to do was complete uh, some assessments around which areas of ministry interested me the most. So I had to pretend like I had 10 units of time, and I had to divide them among different ministerial tasks, um, had to rank various facets of ministry on a scale from one to four. Uh, and one of the ones that I ranked the lowest was evangelizing and mission. And the counselor I was working with pointed that out and told me a lot of UU candidates rank evangelizing really low, much more than other denominations that she works with. And to be honest, I hadn't thought a whole lot about it when I ranked it low. I was completing a lot of assessments and paperwork, and there just wasn't time to agonize over every single question. Um, I don't personally have a lot of baggage around that word, but it just didn't really feel like what we do. I couldn't rank everything high compared to preaching, pastoral care, social justice work, religious education. It just wasn't among the top. But when she asked me to reflect on the issue more deeply, I decided not to change my answer, but not because I don't think it's important, and not because I'm turned off by the word itself. But I still ranked it low because I don't think that it's primarily my job. I think my job is to try and do all of those other things well so that the congregants I eventually serve will want to go evangelize about their UU faith. I think evangelizing isn't the work of a single pastor, but the work of an entire community. And I think this is work that we do through our living. So first I'm going to say a few words about what evangelize actually means, and also recognize the hurt and pain that I know can accompany this word. So the root of the word is Greek, and it simply means to bring good news. Right? To bring good news. But I also know that the news that many of us have received from those who claim themselves as evangelists is often far from good. Too often, the news is that there is something wrong with us with who we love, or how we worship, or who we vote for, with who we are. If we would just go get coffee with that neighbor, or go to Wednesday night Bible study with that high school friend, they could tell us all about how to save our souls from eternal damnation. Many folks have been forced to deny their queerness, or stay silent about abuse, or ignore injustices because of so-called evangelizing. But this word is our inheritance, too. We are descendants of a free church tradition rooted in a Protestant history that values both the free expression of faith and the right of people to choose if and where to worship. The religious right doesn't have a claim to evangelism, and we don't have to cede it to them. We can separate the word from its association with coercion and be people who see it as part of our calling to bring good news. The good news that each of us is made in the image of the divine and has inherent worth and dignity. The good news that we are all part of an interconnected web of creation, and if we take the time to care for that web, we will reap the benefits of the flourishing of the beloved community. The good news that we don't have to wait for the by and by to experience the kingdom of heaven. We have the tools at our disposal to build it right now. And the good news can be smaller, too. It can be telling our trans youth, you are welcome to come worship with us on Sunday, and we will celebrate your whole self. Or telling a hungry or lonely neighbor, look, we're having a potluck dinner next week, and you are most welcome to come share food and fellowship with us. Bringing good news doesn't have to mean converting someone away from a faith that already brings them fulfillment, or making someone think exactly like us. For me, bringing good news simply means saying publicly 
There's a lot of work to be done, and we have hope it's possible to do it together. Our doors are open, and there's a place for you at the table. Come join with us if you wish. So that's the what. Now what about the why, and ultimately the how? I'd like to explore these questions by focusing on three different realms, the personal, the congregational, and the public. So first, the personal. Why, on an individual level, is it important for us as you use to evangelize? I think for me, it helps deepen my own connection with this chosen faith. I think the best evangelizing comes from deep self-reflection. What is it about this faith that fulfills me? Why do I keep coming back week after week? And what do I think is worth sharing with other people? In order to share our faith publicly, we first must understand our faith privately. And that means wrestling with some of the hard parts. For example, our history as a faith is far from perfect. We've, in our past, supported slavery, been complicit in the horrible practices at native boarding schools, promoted eugenics, and failed to fully welcome LGBTQ people into our congregations. But we've challenged each other and tried to own up to our mistakes. We marched in Selma and led the way on gay marriage and offered sanctuary to our undocumented neighbors. We have never reached perfection, but we have some experience practicing accountability. And I think embracing that complexity of our faith feels really necessary for these times that we live in. In short, evangelizing makes me a better UU because it requires deep self-reflection about what our faith has to offer. So for the how, read some UU history, go read the Baltimore Sermon, have conversations with people sitting next to you about what it means to you to be UU, practice your elevator speeches, sounds like y'all have a great one at the beginning of the service, use that as kind of a basis when you're talking about your faith with other folks. And don't be afraid to be public about it. Instead of saying, sorry, I can't come, I'm busy on Sunday, try, sorry, I can't come, I'll be at my Unitarian Universalist Fellowship service on Sunday and see what happens. On the congregational level, I think evangelism is necessary for growing our faith. And I don't necessarily mean numbers here. I think membership growth is a complicated question that needs its own separate conversations, probably in board meetings and not in sermons. I mean growth in a much broader way, right? If we aren't public about our existence and mission, if we aren't opening our doors to new voices and perspectives, if we aren't willing to let others in and be changed by their presence, we'll become fossilized, ill-equipped to meet the evolving challenges we face as a society. We need to evangelize to maintain healthy, vibrant, imaginative congregations. To effectively share our good news, we need to make sure we're setting up structures for people to receive it. Are our congregations family-friendly, accessible to people with disabilities or who have transportation difficulties? Can we better communicate with folks who are deaf and hard of hearing or who speak a language other than English? Do we have opportunities for people who work on Sundays to get engaged? Are we working to be actively anti-racist in a way that communicates our congregations are truly welcoming to people of color? Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't already do these things or that you have to do them and certainly not that you need to do all of them. I'm simply making the point that for all of our UU congregations and fellowships, Sharing the good news can and probably should start internally. Every week, you all show up and share very good news on Sunday mornings. 
How can you make sure people receive it? I know that there are lots of people in Middle Tennessee who long for community, connection to transcendence, and assurance that they are worthy and valuable. And I know that there are lots of communities that are going to make it very clear that those people are not welcome there. So let's try and find new ways for them to know that they are welcome with us as Unitarian Universalists, and we will all be better for it. And finally, the public aspect of sharing the good news. Right, this is the praying with our feet part. And I think for all of our cringing at the word evangelizing, you use are pretty good at this one. I know lots of people who've heard about Unitarian Universalism because of our commitment to justice, our insistence on living out our faith in the larger world. They've met UUs at marches or rallies and public actions and pride parades. We provide spaces for organizers to meet before events, for marchers to charge their phones and get some water. And this is evangelizing. This is absolutely sharing the good news. Evangelizing as a UU is an inherent part of building the beloved community and working for justice. It means sharing our vision of good news so we can join with others who are working for that same shared vision. And sometimes this might mean that people do decide to join our congregations and fellowships because they're moved by our vision of beloved community and our work for justice. But sometimes this kind of public evangelizing, the sharing our vision of good news, will just mean that we build deeper relationships and come into deeper community with people outside our faith who are working for common goals. Right? You can't build effective coalitions if you're not public about your own beliefs, goals, and commitments to social justice. So show up, be in solidarity, march and protest and vote and care for your neighbors. And while you're doing it, be really open and honest about the ways your Unitarian Universalist faith motivates your activism and your work for justice. Evangelism isn't about saving souls or increasing numbers. Evangelism is about creativity and innovation and breathing new life into our congregations. For faith that calls ourselves the living tradition, evangelism is absolutely necessary to keep our faith from becoming state, static, and fossilized. It's how we ensure that we are both staying rooted in our own tradition, that we're clearly articulating what our faith has to offer, while at the same time welcoming new voices and responding effectively to new challenges. But really at its heart, evangelism is simply a recognition that we do indeed have good news to share. If this place feeds your soul, renews your spirit for justice, heals your wounds, honors your body, and challenges your mind, there is no need to be quiet about it. There are plenty of people who need a place like that, and plenty of people whose presence would enrich this community and expand its horizons. So friends, let's be people who evangelize by evangelizing. And by that, I mean just living our lives as people who are always bringing good news. That doesn't mean constant positivity or a kind of naive optimism that everything is roses and it's going to turn out fine. I mean something a little deeper than that. With every person that you come across, bring good news that they are valued, that they have inherent worth and dignity, and that cannot be taken away. Anytime you come across injustice, bring the good news that there are people working tirelessly to end that injustice. When you come across loneliness and isolation, bring the good news that there's a welcoming community waiting with open doors and open arms. And be proud of the fact that you are bringing that good news from your place in a Unitarian Universalist community.
I often like to end my sermons with a blessing. I don't think we bless each other often enough, and I think it's really powerful to recognize the sacredness of our journeys and the sacredness of our work in that way. So if you'll indulge me, I'd like to close with a piece written by one of my UU mentors and heroes, Reverend Rebecca Parker. This blessing is not literally about evangelizing, but to me it really articulates both why evangelism is necessary and it also embodies what it means to walk through the world as evangelists, as people who, by our living, share good news that is proudly rooted in Unitarian Universalist history and values and deeply grounded in our membership in this community. So I hope you won't find it too far afield. It's titled, Choose to Bless This World. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Or, any of these can draw down a prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. The choice to bless the world is more than an act of will of moving forward into the world with the intention to do good. It is an act of recognition, a confession of surprise, a grateful acknowledgement that in the midst of a broken world, unspeakable beauty, grace, and mystery abide. There is an embrace of kindness that encompasses all life, even yours. And while there is injustice, anesthetization, or evil, there moves a holy disturbance, a benevolent rage, a revolutionary love, protesting, urging, insisting, that which is sacred will not be defiled. Those who bless the world live their life as a gesture of thanks for this beauty and this rage. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude to search for the sources of power and grace, native wisdom, healing, and liberation. But more, the choice will draw you into community. The endeavor shared, the heritage passed on, the companionship of struggle, the importance of keeping faith, the life of ritual and praise, the comfort of human friendship, the company of earth, the chorus of life welcoming you. None of us alone can save the world. Together, that is another possibility waiting. May it be so.